Welcome back to the Early Weigh-In Podcast. This week we head over to Boston, Massachusetts for UFC 292. Two titles up for grabs. First up in the main event at Bantamweight, we got defending champion Aljamain Sterling making a somewhat quick turnaround here, taking on the UFC star and Sugar Sean O'Malley. And in the co-main event, guaranteed absolute banger, man, for the strawweight belt. Zhang Weili taking on Amanda Limos, two potent finishers. Uh, Going to be an exciting one, man. And then feature bout of the pay-per-view, we've got veteran Neil Magny taking a short-notice bout here against Ian Gary. Total of 12 fights. We got the Ultimate Fighter finales uh, that we'll kind of touch on. Uh, but as always, man, we dig through. We find the best fights. We find our best bets on the card. So if you guys don't do do us a qu- uh, quick favor, like the video, sub to the channel if you guys haven't before. Uh, as far as UFC Vegas 78 last week, rough night at the office for the podcast. Both of us came out on the wrong side of things. Uh, both of us hurt pretty badly by the dollar due decision. And, you know, usually – Usually I kind of let those go, honestly, because they, they, they kind of come back around. But unanimous for Cub Swanson there, that's of the year, some of the best or some of the worst, like up there with the worst scorecards of the year from me. Uh, but our job to have some short memory here. We got a good pay-per-view to dig into. Man, I'll look, go ahead and let you recap how we finished up last week. Yeah, it's weird whenever we're both in the red. Uh, that, that doesn't usually happen. This has got to right. be the first time in a minute. Um, we'll take a look over at your card first. Your top money line play was uh, RDA over Vicente Luque. Uh, you know, Vicente just, he was the bigger man. He looked yeah. he looked much bigger in there. He did what he had to do. Um, Tefan and Chukwi over AJ Dobson. Um, I don't know. You got anything to say about that one? Nah, I thought he lost 29-28. I wasn't, I wasn't mad about the decision. Uh, I laid the juice in the close fight. Yeah. Uh, Martin Boudet over Josh Parisian. Uh, hit it I don't know. Uh, I guess the next one we're about to talk about was your best play of the night, but I really liked that play. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of tough whenever you're talking about middling heavyweights and then having to lay the juice. Um, but he had an obvious advantage uh, coming in skill wise. He matched the size, which is Josh Parisian's um, like biggest advantage right. going into the octagon. So I lo- actually loved that play. I wish I would have gotten on that money line as well. And I laid the juice because of you. I was looking at the round three decision prop, and you were like, he can finish Parisian, man. And so I laid the juice. That one's on you. Give you the props there. I ended up taking a little bit different route, but I wish I would have been on that money line as well with you. Uh, Damond Blackshear over Jose Johnson. This was one that we disagreed on. And, man, Jose Johnson didn't even put up a, a a good fight for me. I thought when it was on the feet, it looked dangerous. It looked like it could have been anybody's game on the feet, but I, I underestimated the grappling aspect of Blackshear's game. And uh, he went in there and got it done with a pretty awesome submission. Anytime I see a twister, like that's pretty yeah. cool. Even that's if I was cool. on the wrong side of that one, um, uh, man, Juliana Miller versus Luana Santos. We were both on her as a dog um, on the podcast. I ended up, choosing a few other dogs which were no better but uh this this one was um one that i was thankful i did lay off but i totally saw where everybody was coming from betting the miller side in this she's just uh she's got a lot of refining to do in her skills man she's got obviously the dog in her she can she'll stand and bang with anybody but it's uh there's a big skill gap and luana santos looked pretty good on saturday under one and a half rounds, McKinney, Breeden, I don't know, absolute lock. Um, I actually thought Breeden 
would have put up just a little bit more of a fight. Maybe he he didn't anticipate McKinney hitting as hard as he did. Yeah. Um, but you ended up Level getting athleticism there. Yeah. You ended up getting great CLV on that. Uh, yeah. You had it at minus 188, and it closed like, I don't know, minus 280, something yeah, like that. Right. Um, your parlay with Dowdo and Friend. Both, both both legs a little <laughs> a little shaky. That would do. He should have won, like you said. And then Friend, um, obviously he he was the rightful winner there. It's just I think you know it I was more of a everybody game. else would probably take back land minus three forty for Friend. Oh yeah, it just it was a it was a Jamie Pickett fade more than anything. And that's that's actually totally fair, man. <laughs> uh, buys wins by sub round one and round two. <laughs> Those bets didn't have legs, but I really liked the number behind them, so I understood yeah. why you were on that. Um, and then Jacqueline Amorium and under one and a half rounds, toughest beat of your card, I think. Uh, yeah. Maybe that uh, that Dawadu decision, but the Amorium yeah. and under one and a half round. I forgot who was refing, but he gave uh, he gave Bunny Ruiz all the chances in the world to yeah. to hang in there. Uh, you ended up the night minus 4.2 unit, 4.02 units. Uh, you know, not not the greatest night, but you've been on a little hot streak. So it's just eating into a little bit of the profit. Definitely one to come back from. Taking, taking a look over at my card, I did terrible on the money lines to uh, to have like a somewhat manageable loss on the night. Yeah. Um, we, we already talked about Hakeem Dawadu. That was the only only fighter that I laid the juice on and paid for it. And, you know, coming into that fight, I was even talking about how in a close decision, I always would lean Dawadu just because of the lack of damage that he shows whenever he's fighting. Um, and that just, it just wasn't the case, man. I was on the wrong side of that one. Uh, Jamie Pickett, um, that was me trying to fade Josh Friend. It wasn't about Jamie Jamie Pickett's skill set, <laughs> and uh, he showed that even in the moments where he could have changed the course of the fight, gotten some reversals, that he just doesn't have it in him. You know, JP buys uh, tough matchup, man. That dude hits like a Mack truck. I mean, for being 125 pounds, that dude uh, looks like Davidson Figueredo when he swings in there, man. Jose Johnson versus Demir Blackshear. Again, just underestimated the grappling game of Blackshear. Uh, yeah, so 0 for 4 on the money lines. And then I, I think my my best bet of the night was the Polyviana Asman Lucindo under two and a half rounds. I got some really good CLV at plus 180. Um, and I had one and a half units on it. That that more or less saved my night. It went longer than I thought it would. It was almost, you know, almost got a, got into the uh, danger zone, but it did end up hitting um, for a pretty pretty good hit right there. Yeah. Francis Marshall versus Isaac Dolgarian. I didn't think that Dolgarian was going to win, but, uh, you know, I knew that his, his win opportunities would be inside the distance, how he's been yeah. finishing everybody on the regional scene. He looks like the real deal. I was happy to get on that one at a pretty decent number at minus 210. And then, like we talked about, it seemed like everybody was on the over in a heavyweight fight. And that's just like a recipe for the, for disaster. Uh, to be able to get fight doesn't go the distance for heavyweights at even money. Yeah, I don't know. I think that that's a profitable play long term. 
Um, I put a unit on that and ended up minus 1.68 units still. Like you said, it's red for both of the both sides of the podcast. Not where we want to be, but uh, we got a nice pay-per-view coming up. So we'll get some of that back. All right. In our main event, it is for the 135-pound strap, Main Sterling versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, both guys have put together some you know, shaky runs in their, in their last <laughs> few fights. I was telling you earlier, Pete, I kind of bought into Aljo being the paperweight champ, but I'd be even more surprised to be living in a world where Sugar Sean O'Malley is the champion of the most talent stacked division in the UFC. I think that he has been very lucky in how the UFC has matched him up. Um, I get that a lot of people are saying that Sean has a clear advantage in the striking department, but I'm just not sure if I am buying that. Aljo is somebody who almost like um, he doesn't take a lot of risks. He doesn't take a lot of risks when he's on the feet and he uses his athleticism and length to his advantage um, at all times, whenever he's in the cage. And when he's not, He's closed the distance, and that's not where Sean O'Malley wants to be. Uh, I look at the the advantages that I expect Aljo to have if he does get this fight to the mat, and I just think that they're, it's astronomical compared to the slight advantages that Sean O'Malley is going to hold in the striking. For one, I don't think that Sterling is going to give him the fight that O'Malley needs on the feet for O'Malley to expose some of the holes in Sterling's game. Sterling is uh, very patient with his attack. He'll he'll keep his back up against the cage, and it'll almost force Sean to close that distance and engage and force him to put the pressure to engage. And I think that that's not really how Sean likes to, to play the stand-up game. He would much rather counter his opponents who are walking forward um, and I just think that Aljo is going to have the elusiveness on the feet that if Sean is the one pressuring, there will be a point where Aljo is just going to be able to duck under, uh, wrap him up and take him to the ground. And when that does happen, I'm worried that there's a, a significant gap in, in that ground game. I know Sean has done pretty well in some grappling matches. He's I don't know if he's a black belt yet in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, but he has, you know, a finish over Takanori Gomi. Like, that's um, that's pretty legit. And I guess it could happen um, in this fight. But I, I just see a lot uh, Aljamain getting the back like he does and uh, finding that, that submission rather quickly. I told you how I, I see this fight either going Aljo, Aljo going out there, getting the takedown early and getting that finish, or over the course of five rounds, once you get into those championship rounds, I think that we're going to start to see Sean O'Malley break um, you know, one thing to note is the only other five round fight that Sean O'Malley has ever been in is all the way back on the amateur scene where once it got to that fourth round, he got hit in the back of the head, pretended like it was, a uh, like he couldn't continue. And then won by, by DQ, I, I think that we're going to get to a point if Sean O'Malley doesn't find the finish in those first three rounds, um, where that, that little bit of quit does, does, um, start to come out. I know a lot of people are talking about the Piotr Jan fight and, um, you know, using that as an example of Sean having that heart, having that whatever. I don't think Sean would have been in there if he knew that he had another two rounds to go after that. Um, he was pretty beat up. He could see the finish line and he stuck it out. And even though he might not have 
should have gotten that win. All credit to him uh, to be even competitive with somebody like Piotr Jan is quite an accomplishment. And I kind of think that that's Sean's threshold. You know, I don't think that he comes in here and beats Aljo uh, decisively. And if he does, I'll pay the price for it. I think I'm looking um, for a couple of ways to play Sterling, although I haven't really figured out how I'm going to mix him in there. Uh, Aljo is the pick for me, though. I think we might be on, on opposite sides here. Not so much opposite sides, but I Aljo minus 300 is, I think, a little bit wide for me because I think, you know, I think both guys have advantages in this fight. You know, pretty binary outcome. I think Sterling grapples his way to a win. I think Sean O'Malley is going to win the exchanges on the feet, and I think they're both extremely live for a finish here. When you look um, at Aljo, man, plenty of uh, asterisks next to a lot of his wins lately. But he's going toe-to-toe with some of the best 135ers in the world. And I, I do think that it's starting to get to the time where you can consider Aljo one of the one of the best 135ers ever, man, despite those little asterisks and things there. You talked about it on the feet. I don't think the guy's lost what you know whatsoever. The numbers look good. Sometimes it's a detriment to his cardio late in the fights, but there's a ridiculous amount of volume coming from him early, a lot of kicks and things from range. He he makes closing the distance on him pretty hard. Um, and then, you know, when he finds the takedown, even if he can't find the submission, like there's some guys who are like sub or bust on the ground. He's not. He has a very good controlling kind of style. He can find the back and just ride out minutes. Um, and even, you know, if he's slowing down, find the back, you know, kind of get a second wind and things to him. I I guess kind of bought into the paperweight kind of situation for Aljo as well. But over the course of his last couple of fights, you know, earn some respect. And again, like I said, can consider him one of the better 135s. Um, but I, I think Sean has the ability to win minutes on the feet here. You might not think so. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that might not think so, but I had, I have a gut feeling I don't about Sean O'Malley and, and maybe it isn't Saturday um, and, you know, maybe if it without the favorable treatment, I do think he would have fought for a belt at some time in his career. I just have a gut feeling that the Sean is kind of, is better than than some people give him credit for. Like on the feet, I think Sean is is one of the best strikers in the whole bantamweight division. Like he will win minutes on the feet. He can be competitive with anybody on the feet. Um, but I, I do kind of pause for never being five rounds on his pro career, you know, not kind of being under kind of the, the quit coming back to him and things like you talked about with Aljo. I, I do think there's ability um, for that to rear its ugly head as well. But from a money line perspective, I do think it's dog or pass um, with Sean O'Malley. I don't know if I pulled the trigger, uh, but I do think I'll be talking about him later on. Um is the prop that we both like here going to be discussed later on, or should we bring it up? Um, uh, I think we'll. It, it'll be talked about if you're not talking about it. I'll, I'll I don't talk it. about it. You're going to bring oh, yeah, it up. I'll take it. I'll take all it. right, all right. Well, then we'll move on to the co-main event. Uh, Zhang Wei Li, Amanda Limos, strawweight championship man, and and like I said in the intro, this is this is a killer fight for me, man. You're talking about like two of the stronger, more athletic girls in the division, girls who carry some of the more power in the division. And I'll be beyond shocked if it hits the scorecards. Uh, Wei Lee, two times uh, straw weight tramp. Now the girl's an absolute tank. So athletic for the division. 
and you know similar nationality but dude she really is like a female song yadong she throws so fast she throws so hard and i think we have constantly seen this girl improve you know we we see her go getting out wrestled by rose namayunas to finding the finish on the mat against carla Sparza. um i do think she has wrestling upside here I also think on the feet, she throws a whole lot straighter than Limos does. I think everything's a whole lot tighter, can beat her to the punch in a lot of these exchanges, um, especially as the fight progresses. I think she holds a big cardio edge here, and if this fight were to creep over that two-and-a-half round mark, uh, swings massively in the favor in Wei Lee. But, man, the first seven-and-a-half minutes of a fight, Amanda Limos is live to finish any any woman almost in the UFC, to be honest with you. And that makes her money line just a little bit tricky. I see people playing like over plus 500 on a TKO, and I think she has that chance, again, to knock out any girl in the UFC. You know, she's got next-level power, only needs to land one. She's more of a counter-striker, looking to, to kind of play that counter game, a little bit more selective with her shots. Shows a good calf kick, guillotine. Um, but as far as minute-winning minute winning ability, that that – Sways much in the favor of Whaley. I, I feel like Amanda Lemos is like first or second round inside the distance. And after that, she's going to get behind on volume. She's going to get behind on takedown. So I sent you something earlier in the week with Whaley, three, four, five finish. I think she's real live for a finish in those later rounds here. But early on, that I think the money line's enough to kind of talk me off playing Whaley here. Um, but looking at your bets, I uh, think you, I think you like to hear uh, Ann Still on Saturday. I do, I do like it here and still. And I, you know, even though right now I've got some CLV, I had a uh, one and a half units at minus two seventy five. I think the line's creeping down. Like you can get her minus three hundred at a bunch of places, and I, mm-hmm. I would be willing to bet that there's enough people that are going to watch the highlight clip of Amanda Limos and be more than willing to throw uh, some change on on Limos plus. Uh, whatever 250 whatever the the number is I'm not too convinced um, and you kind of you kind of touched on um, some of the bigger points I think Wei Lee is the overall uh, much more well-rounded fighter of the two and when you're talking about a division like women's straw weight uh, I don't care how powerful they are to for you know for you to bank on on limos to go out there and be finishing girls seems like a little bit of a stretch. Once you get women who are on the same level competitively as, as mm-hmm. she is, I think we saw in the first like physically dominant girl that she faced in Jessica Andrade, where she wasn't able to just straight up overpower her. Uh, you kind of see like she she'll break a little bit. I don't think that she's a great nail by any, by any means. Um, whereas Wei Lee, I think she's, you know, Sure, the flash KO like Rose Namajunas could happen, but that's in any weight class. And I, I'm not expecting a perfect head kick to land. But we do know that Wei Li um, is gritty. She will fight uh, a war mm-hmm. and um, just come out with with the volume, with the um, you know that tenacity. You, you talked about her kind of she's she's not she doesn't really throw like any other woman in the division. You know she. Yeah. She is extremely strong, extre- on a different level of athleticism. And even when I watch Lemos versus Wei Lee do things, I still think that there's a little more like 
femininity to uh, Limos whenever mm -hmm. she's fighting, as opposed to Wei Li. She moves yeah. different. And I think that Limos is going to see that sooner rather than later whenever she gets in there. Um, right now, uh, at minus 275, that's a roughly 73% win percentage. Um, I, I kind of, I think that I have Wei Li winning this about 80% of the time um, with one in every five of those fights, Limos catching her. I think that that's reasonable, you know, mm -hmm. um, outside of that, I think that there are plenty of opportunities for the finish to happen um, on the Wei Li side. I think Limos is going to slow down significantly after 15 minutes and uh, we could see Wei Li just use her volume to end up breaking her in those championship rounds. I also think that there's a huge skill gap in the ground department here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of, you know, in the lab right now, working up some stuff for props on the Zhang side. But I do think that if she gets this fight to the ground, um, we're going to see her expose Limos a little bit. You know, there's not very many people that are going to tap to the standing... <laughs> Arm triangle. Yeah, arm triangle that Jessica Andrade um, got on Limos. Like, you would think that there would be other options than to just tap right there, or she wouldn't be able to get herself in that position. Wei Li, somebody who, because she's so physically imposing, I think a lot of people forget about the submission side of her game. Um, two, I think three of her last five finishes are by submission, mm -hmm. and you can get the submission prop at like plus. 450 still i mean i think i think if um once limo slows down the the takedowns are going to come easier um i think that it is super live for whaley to take her down show her that there's levels to this game and just because she hits hard um that could all be negated if she's got her back to the mat yep um so whaley all around better uh better mma practitioner there's a I think how I'm kind of leaning towards it now that I'm saying it out loud, once that line goes down, I might double down, put three units on Whaley at minus 275-ish, and mm -hmm. uh, then a unit or a half unit on that submission prop. So I'll still come out profitable as long as Whaley wins. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that there is a really good shot she gets Limos down and just exposes her on the mat. And plus 450 is a pretty dope number. And since yep. that was going to be my prop, but since we already talked about the main event one being the prop, <laughs> uh, I've changed it up a little bit. Good stuff. Uh, so we're both on the same side, though. We both think same Whaley side. is going to get this done. Yeah. Whaley inside the distance here as well. Nice. Um, for our featured fight of the night, we go to the welterweight division where we see Neil Magny taking on Ian Machado Gary. <sighs> Um, I think that this is a pretty big price tag for Gary. I think Gary is a really good fighter. I think that he's not one of these total hype trains that doesn't have the skill set to back um, a lot of the hype. But I do think that he is a little... Uh, he's got some holes in his game, you know. He hasn't proven too much to me. Uh, when I'm reading off the names that he has beaten in the UFC, Darian Weeks, Gabe Green, Kanan Song, D-Rod, those, like, those aren't Neil Magny level. Neil Magny has been taking losses to the best of the best in the division, and I think that this would be by far the biggest win on Ian Gary's resume. And he's been knocked down by Kanan Song. He, you know, 
isn't able to finish Darian Weeks or Gabe Green. Sure, he's able to finish Jordan Williams, but uh, you know, I don't have. I'm not very very high on Jordan Williams, man. Um, even D Rod, I think it's just a perfect matchup for him. D Rod's a pretty limited MMA fighter, and the fact that you know he's only throwing hands, he's not shooting for takedowns, he's not throwing many kicks, and uh, I think that that's a perfect matchup for Gary. This is a good matchup for Gary, and the fact that Neil Magny isn't very dangerous with his with his MMA skills. Mm-hmm. But he is a well-rounded MMA fighter. I don't think that there's one aspect that you can count on Neil Magny doing outside of pressuring you. And this only being a three-round fight, I think Neil Magny could easily make this a close Neil Magny fight. And um, Gary's not going to cover his price tag. Are you seeing this a little bit differently? No, man. You know how I feel about Ian Gary. You, you know how I feel about the guy. I, I truly... I think he's the future. I, I really do. I, um, I I think he's one of these young, undefeated, confident guys who is, is going to go to the top, man. Um, I, I do. I think we see an improved Ian Gary each time out. Great gym, great frame. The guy comes from a great regional scene where he's been five rounds, been a champion. I think he's got a real slept-on ground game that we've not just had to see yet. I see people taking a shot on his sub prop at like plus 600. I do think that's sneaky to an extent. Um, I love his striking. He throws volume like crazy. The guy's long and rangy, a bit of tall man defense, but that just kind of comes with the size, in my opinion. In combination, I think he's going to wear out the lead leg of Neil Magny. I think he's going to be a lot stronger in the clinch than Neil Magny, where, where Neil likes to take it. There, There was – or there's going to be a time like where, where I think Ian Gary like kind of meets his equal, but, but I don't, I just don't think it's Saturday, man. You know, Neil is, Neil's a guy that I, that three or four years ago, you know, he was my money train against taking on prospects. I would have been all over this number. And, and I have been against even guys like Phil Rowe and Max Griffin, but I think he's starting to have some questionable performances at his age, man, the Phil Rowe, the Max Griffins, he's, he's going to real close fights with guys that, you know, getting knocked down by Max Griffin, guys that I I really don't rate anywhere close to Ian Gary. I, I think this is just one step closer to the top 10 for him. I think he's – he called Magny out in the octagon. You know, uh, I think he's getting his wish here. I think they gave Magny the bag to come step in, give Ian Gary his wish, throw the little promo up on Saturday for him. I, I think the UFC loves Gary. I like Ian Gary a, a whole lot, man, and – I, I always bet him almost every single fight did it again on Saturday. You do have Ian Gary. I do have Ian Gary. Is he uh parlayed? Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. For my fight of the night, Andre Petrovsky versus Gerald Mearshart. Uh, okay. I didn't, I didn't research this one enough to be completely honest with you, but here are my initial thoughts. Um, Andre Petrovsky versus Gerald Mearshart. I think that fight ends by sub here is, is mm-hmm. uh, what comes off the. Doesn't matter what the line is. Play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long, if it's plus money, I think that that's a great, great bet. Um, Gerald Mearshart more than willing to get on the ground and Andre Petrovsky when he's not gassed, I think that he could manhandle, 85% of the division, you know, he is yeah. strong, strong. And um, 
you know, Gerald Mearshart doesn't really strike me as one of those guys. He's kind of one of the guys that's willing to outlast somebody to get his game going. And this is a perfect opponent to do it to. I just think that he kind of lacks the physical strength to stop Petrosky to get the fight where he wants it um, immediately. And, uh, you know, I think if Mearshart had a little bit more grappling, um, a little more wrestling defense, maybe he could drag this fight out enough to where Petrosky does have to use too much of his energy to get the fight to the mat. Um, I just don't think that that's going to be the case. I think Petrosky, when he wants to get it to the mat, it's going to the mat and he gets that sub pretty quickly. If he doesn't, Mearshart's completely live for a sub. You know, I think that it'll probably happen on the ground. He'll sweep him somehow. Petrosky will be tired and then we'll see Mearshart sub him. Um, But I think it'll be a great fight. I know why I chose it as my fight of the night. I think it's absolutely going to be some fireworks, but uh, not really sure if I have a, a pick whenever Petrosky's sitting as high of a price tag as he is right now. I, I'm more looking at the under two and a half here. You know, it's only minus 200, and I think that still holds value, to be honest. You got GM3, who's a 51 fight veteran, and the guy seen the scorecard six times, man. Like, I think minus 200 really does hold some value. He talked about Petrosky being able to just like manhandle 85% of the vision. I think he's a good, I actually think he's a decent prospect, dude. You know, he's got really good wrestling. He's got really good jujitsu. He's powerful on the feet. The flack on him is kind of the cardio, but then it's like, damn, you know, he found a couple third round finishes already in the UFC so far. So it's like he, he might, you got to, Catches a good second wind, I guess, how you could. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it, it could kind of get dicey late. You know, GM3 has – he's a southpaw. He's longer. He's he's a sneaky striker. I think he holds the strike. He might not hold the power edge, but I think he might be a better striker here. And then as it goes late, sneaky, sneaky submission artist, man. And, you know, we're like Petrosky's a really good wrestler. He If he tries to get that wrestling game going, I think he takes it to the world where – where GM3 is most dangerous, you know? So I think he has to mind the P's and Q's. Gerald Mearshart's always the underdog, so he always comes through in spots like this. So it's like the line could be wide. No way would I play Petroski, I think, at this odds. But he's going to be my pick. You know, it's kind of hard to get behind old Gerald Mearshart. The fight ends by sub is minus 110 on FanDuel. If I could find it plus money, I'll probably end up putting a unit on it. I think that's a good play, honestly, man. I uh, I went to the women's division for my fight of the night. I'm taking Andrea Lead versus Natalia Silva. Um, honestly, just because the cat's out the bag on Natalia Silva. Uh, you know, I was one of a couple people who bet her at plus 200 against Jasmine Jazz Devicious in her debut, and here she is entering the minus 400-something, and and what's easily her hardest fight to date. Um, but I think Natalia Silva is good, man. You know, she's on a good win streak. All of her losses come when she's like 17 years old. She's very well-rounded, on the feet, super technical, very fast. Girl's got a sneaky ground game. They both kind of struggle with their takedown defense. Watching tape, I, I'm unsure who really has the grappling edge in this fight. I kind of lean toward Andrea Lee maybe being a little bit more physical. Um, but maybe, but, but maybe Natalia Silva being a little bit more technical, but on the feet, I, I do know it's clear as day for Natalia Silva, uh, but Andrea Lee fighting a lot harder, tough, much tougher competition and going to split decision with some relatively good girls, Lauren Murphy, um, Macy Barber. The problem is, is like, 
I thought she won the Macy Barber fight, but the girl just she doesn't do enough in any of her fights. She never does enough to get out ahead, always losing these split decisions. And the UFC just I don't think they care about Andrea Lee. I think they really care about their prospect in Natalia Silva. And if she leaves this one close, it's it's gonna go to their prospect like Macy Barber. It's gonna go to Natalia Silva yet again. Um, but I'm excited, man, because I think Natalia Silva is a really good prospect. Um, I think she's improving on the feet. Excited to watch her get her, you know, hardest test to date. Um, I'm not so sure she's going to get that finish that she's been getting. Um, I think she's going to get tested here. I think it's going to be a good fight. Does it worry you about their first fight? I don't, did they fight it? Marina Moreau. Thinking of a different Silva. girl? Marina Moreau's and Karina That's Silva what I'm thinking. Fall. Sorry. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Um, for my fighter to watch, Chris Weidman. It was an easy pick, right? Easy pick. Easy pick. He's 39 years old. He's fighting in, um, I guess you could kind of call this his backyard, right? Yeah. Um, close enough. Close enough, right. <laughs> and um, I guess the UFC is giving him one of the more winnable fights in the division, and there's not very many. You know, like Chris Weidman, you can't give him a debutante. He's got too big of a name. Um, but you can give him another somewhat aging fighter coming off of a KO loss, you know? Um, by no means is Brad Tavares in in a position where, you know, I think that he's trustworthy here, you know? It, I think Chris Weidman, the two-year layoff, him being as old as he is, there's no way he's going to come back better. But I am curious to as to how that fight with Uriah Hall would have played out if his leg wouldn't have snapped. He looked awesome in the 17 seconds that we saw him. Like he he looked like a killer. And then you hear about all the stuff in the training room about how he's never looked better, blah, blah, blah. It looks like he's in amazing shape, even at 39 years old. I think that this is a winnable fight. And historically, Brad Tavares isn't the biggest finisher. I kind of like this fight not to go to decision. Um, it's, I haven't bet it yet, but that's an angle. I'm kind of looking at this. Um, mm-hmm. Weidman, he is a kill or be killed guy. Since since 2015, in the nine fights that he's had, he's only been to decision once. Um, and even though Tavares isn't usually a finisher, he's coming off of that KO loss only four months prior. And um, he, he does... He is game. Chris Weidman, even if it does get, if the fights get dragged out, it looks really sloppy after about the second round. And we start to see some holes opening up. Um, and that might be where Tavares could capitalize. But if Weidman comes in here at 39 years old and shapes up his game into what it looked like it could have been in 2021, um, I'd love to see it just because I, I'd hate to see a legend like him go out uh, the way that it looks like it's going right now. So he is my fighter to watch. He's got an absolutely tough test in Brad Tavares in yeah. front of him. Um, but I do think somebody's going down in that fight. I like it, man. I, I think that's an awesome angle to attack. And uh, I have a play on that fight. I'll touch on it during the quick picks or something there. Uh, fighter to watch for me it was somewhat an easy one for me. Gregory Rodriguez, a guy I really, really like. Um, a guy I think is in a, a good bounce back spot. You know, he was slept by Bruno Ferreira in round one last time out. We've seen the guy knocked out by Jordan Williams, I think it was, and hurt badly by the Iron Turtle, you know, Junyun Park. And 
raises big concerns for the chin of Gregory Rodriguez, to be honest with you. You know, um, I think he could be one of those guys where the skill set is all the way there, um, but the chin's just kind of going to, it's going to hold him back. I think he's a good boxer. He's not afraid to mix it up on the feet at all. And it's, I think that's atypical for someone who's got the world-class jiu-jitsu, you know, like himself. You don't really see these jiu-jitsu guys willing to get in these brawls and, and walk people down the way he does. Good wrestling. Um, should probably look to implement that more in his game like he did in his debut against uh, Dusko. Uh, but big power, man. And honestly, in this fight with Dennis Tulunian, I think Gregory Rodriguez has all of the advantages you could want. But Dennis is an absolute dog. He's not going to shy away from the fight. Um, I took the under 1.5 here at minus 165. I think it's going to be firework from the moment it starts. Gregor gets in your face. Uh, I think he could finish Tulane in any way he wants. But does that chin rear its ugly head again? I think we see the under one and a half hit again. So um, Rodriguez, you know, like I said, in a good bounce back spot. Uh, but he's starting to kind of just give me concerns that he could drop these bounce back spots. So, Good fighter for me to watch. Good fight to watch, I think, too. I like that. Um, for my underdog of the podcast, I'm going with Neil Magny. His line is getting out of hand at this point. I think we're seeing plus 390s out there. Neil Magny's a good fighter. Like He's not, never been an exciting fighter or one that people want to get behind, but he always, has always been a difficult fight for people because of his uniqueness. He is a full-sized 170-pound man. Um, you talked about the five-round fight that Ian Gary had coming into the UFC and his championship fight with Cage Warriors. That was against a lightweight. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, that was against a lightweight, and it was a, it was a dog. It was a dog fight, absolutely. Um, I touched on the competition level that he's had up until this point in the UFC, and uh, it, it literally doesn't compare to the last decade of fights that Neil Magny has had. Um, I think that Ian Gary still has a lot to prove to me after having a couple of missteps in his gimme fights leading up to this point. Um, I don't think that there's a world where Neil Magny is getting dropped by song. You know, I don't know. I, I just, there's a... I think that Neil Magny is going to come in here and make this a dirty grind fight. And if I can get plus 390, if it gets up into the 400s, I mean, I, I love that spot. I want to play Neil Magny by decision because as we've talked about on prior podcasts, when the majority of the time when I see undefeated fighters take their first L, it's usually by decision. They're tough enough. They're, they're, they can outlast it. Neil Magny's the type of guy who, who wins a decision, you know? I almost brought up of... that same point for you. Yeah, okay, cool, yeah. I mean, he's he's going to grind on him. He's going to grind on him. I think that, like you said, the UFC absolutely wants Ian Gary to win this fight. Um, but end of the day, he's still got to do it. He's still got to do it. And I think that Neil Magny's a huge test for him. So, and and he's at least a solid fighter. Like, I'm getting... A hundred points better on Neil Magny, who we know is an established good fighter, than I than I did on the Jamie Pickett fight last week, and that's the one that comes into my mind where it's just like, why did I make that bet? Jamie Pickett has never shown that he's a good MMA fighter. 
at least we know Neil Magny can hang with the best of the best and has been able to. So I, I feel like backing a fighter who is sitting in the four to one dog range against somebody who in my eyes is still a little bit unproven, you know, 12 fights on his record. Like, you know, Neil Magny's had, I don't know how many in the UFC, but I would, I would assume almost double, you know? So um, yeah, Neil Magny is my dog. I've kind of drawn that out a little bit, but Neil Magny is my dog. My dog's going to be Sugar Sean O'Malley. I am. I I think the number I think the number's off. I I side with Aljo, but I I think there's value on Sean's money line. I think he should only be about a minus or a plus one fifty, a plus one sixty. I you know one of my big talking points on my underdog every week is finishing upside. I think Sean has finishing upside against practically anybody on the feet because I think he's one of the most talented strikers in the division uh, by far. He's got the speed, the youth, the length, the star power. We kind of, I kind of brought it up, you know, two big points. Narratives don't really lead to results in the octagon, but when do you get plus 200, plus 215 on the guy that the UFC is giving preferential treatment to, the UFC is pushing? That alone is a little bit interesting to me. When also do you get plus 215 on a guy who does have an advantage in a fight? When I look to lay minus like 300, on somebody's money line, I, I kind of want him to have the advantages everywhere in the fight, and I don't think he does. You know, he's 34 years old now. He's already talking about moving up a weight class, and whether it's because of the, the tough weight cuts he goes through, which it is a relatively quick turnaround from Cejudo, it looks like they kind of forced this fight on him, bringing O'Malley in the cage after that and everything, and he's kind of maybe, you know, making room for Marab to get to the belt. We've seen him put on his acting acting shoes before I don't know how how hard he cares to keep the belt you know I I just with all that all those red flags there I don't know I just could see maybe Aljo giving the belt up kind of easy man I don't know and all the all the question marks in this fight are around Sean O'Malley he's where the volatility lies to me in this matchup it reminds me like I almost pulled the trigger on Isaac Dolgarian last week because, you know, like he was plus 200 almost. And like, he was the guy who had a lot of finishing upside early in a fight. He was the guy that we were just like, he's good early on, but like, we just don't know. Like he's where the volatility lied in the matchup. And he, you know, he came out and performed and I think the volatility surrounds Sean O'Malley here, man. So I haven't pulled the trigger yet. But I, I'm looking at a at a at a small stab on Sean O'Malley. I I hear where you're coming from. We're gonna stick with this fight for my prop section of the podcast. Uh, we have actually both made a play on this, and yep. uh, I would be willing to bet that the line's gotten away from us at this point. I haven't checked it in a minute, but it would not surprise me because it was way too low, dude. Yeah, no. It, so it's the fight doesn't go to decision. We had both tweeted it out earlier in the week. Uh, it was minus 130 and stayed that way for three or four days, you know, um, <laughs> all throughout the er- earlier this week. Um, there's finishing upside for both guys. You know, you yep. talked about, I think, 100% of Sean's win win chances are inside the distance. You know, I don't think that he can go 25 minutes. I'd love for him to prove me wrong, but I don't think with the pace that Aljo Sterling's about to bring to him um, that Sean specifically can go 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, on that same side, I do think that there's a world where, 
you know, we see Aljo backpack, but I, I think that he's probably going to be willing to take a little bit more chances on the ground with somebody like Sean O'Malley. Um, Piotr Jan's not somebody who you can have slip-ups with. Uh, Henry Cejudo, um, I, I would assume, is a lot more difficult to keep grounded than Sean O'Malley. Um, you think? Yeah. Um, so I see this fight going very similarly to the Corey Sandhagen fight. Aljo's not stupid. He knows where he has to go to get the, he knows what he has to do um, to win this fight. And let's get the fight to the ground. That's not so easy against Piotr Jan. That's not so easy against Henry Cejudo. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy against guys who like Corey Sandhagen and Sean O'Malley. There's no other options. You know, they're, they're, game isn't as rounded out as the two other guys I just mentioned. Um, so I think that a ton of the finishing upside is just if Aljo starts to implement his game. Um, both sides, I said, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Both yep. sides have finishing capabilities and to, to only have to pay minus 130 to get the fight doesn't go to a decision. Um, I think that that's probably our best bet of the week, man. Yeah, I, I think that number is good, honestly, like minus 200. I, I really do. I, I Again, finishing upside clearly on both sides. Uh, my prop for myself, I'm going to go with Karina Silva and Marina Moroz under two and a half. I got it at plus money at plus 110, and I was extremely shocked to see this sitting at plus money. It actually was minus – it was actually pick them and got bet down to a, a plus 110. Um their first time they fought it ended in the first round, you know, uh, Karina Silva is a girl with 20 professional fights and 19 of them have hit the under. Uh, she's a very strong girl, very dangerous submission artist. She got the takedown. She wanted in the Moreau's fight, you know, her game was going and, um, I feel she can do the same here. I feel she's only improved. She just got caught with the patented women's arm bar. Um, I think Karina Silva is live to finish any girl in the division early on, honestly. She's a very front-loaded girl, but she's a very strong girl early on. Starts to wear down, though, after round one. That's where I kind of see Marina Moreau's finishing upside come into play. I really expect her to take over. She's got she's the far better striker regardless um, and can finish it on the feet, but very underrated ground game, nasty ground and pound submissions. These girls combine for a 74% finish rate, and the numbers implying 47% odd. So, you know. Just feel like it's a it's a good prop. Uh, stabbed on it for a unit this week. I like it. I like that a lot, actually. Um, I might look into that because I was just checking out the number on it. And it looks like you're still getting even money if you're wanting the fight doesn't go the distance. The plus money looks like it's getting bought up, but um, still get around even money for fight doesn't go the distance. And you're right. When they put those fights on as the very first one for the card, they know yeah. they expect the fireworks. They expect right. them to get them to go early. Um, I don't hate that at all. Let's see for my best bet of the card. Um, I'm going with Wei Li Zhang. Um, I'm probably going to end up doubling down on it. Um, but as of now, only have one and a half units on her at minus 275. I just think that all the finishing, all, all the, Winning upside for Amanda Limos is by knockout. Um, I don't think there's no way she subs her. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that she's going to have enough volume over five rounds to win on the judges' scorecards. And um, banking on a 115 pound woman to get a knockout is not a good idea. Um, so taking just uh, just in general. Uh, taking the the much more well-rounded 115 pound woman has got to be 
um, a plus EV play. I think yeah. Whaley at minus 275 is a little bit of a gift. That number's a little bit off. I kind of see it uh, closer to that minus 400 number. And um, yeah, Whaley Zhang, best bet. Try not to overthink it. I like it, man. Um, going to go Marlon Chito Vera, minus 180 for my best bet this week. I felt 64% on him. I was a little bit low. I think he's think he should be around minus 230, 70%, somewhere around there. Um, I think he's, you know, younger fighter, means a lot in these weight classes. He's been in the world in, in the cage with some of the more elite guys recently. And I feel like that performance against Sanhagen is kind of keeping this line down a bit, but not really to me, man. You know, I, I bet fight goes to decision there. I bet Sanhagen by decision. I, I felt like I had that fight read to a T and, and knew what was going to happen. And, and it holds no effect on to me with this fight. There's also this the small concern that it's a three round fight. Cheeto can can start a little bit slow, um, but I think he's got the advantages everywhere here, man. And I don't think Pedro Munoz comes out there and throws the volume early of somebody like Davy Grant, who's just slinging bombs from the hip twenty four seven. Like Pedro's been in wars, he's got to protect his chin. He's got to dance around the outside now. I think Cheeto's the better striker. Can kind of walk him down at that pressure. Works the body with the kicks. Elite gas tank, elite durability. He's the only one I feel that has finishing upside here. Um, I think the guys are just in two different points of their career, and I am tempted to hit the under two and a half here at like plus 200 because I, I do think Marlon can actually get a finish, to be honest with you. Um, but more of a money line type of guy. I do see some value on Cheeto Vera's money line still. I like it. I like it. The only other bet that I – you know, that's like kind of caught my attention uh, that I've seen on Twitter this week is the Munoz plus three and a half line. I definitely understand where people are going yeah. with that. Okay. Um, so it being like minus 160, if you were thinking about playing Munoz, I think that that's the only way that you could play him. Although I'm, yeah. I'm in agreement with you. I do think that Bear is the better mixed martial artist. Um, and even if he does drop that first round, I expect him to pick it up in the second and third and get the nod, even if he doesn't get the finish. Moving on to the quick pick section of the card. We'll start off tonight in the women's flyweight division where we see Marina Morose taking on Karina Silva. Um, man, I know Morose is like the public's dog this week, uh, which is why it's kind of scary uh, to pick her. But I, I like the fact that she won the first one. They're the same age, you know? Yeah. Um, and if anything, I think Morose has had uh, – the better competition she's faced the better competition yep. so uh it's hard for me to like silva finishing all these girls is like tough to look look past no. but, uh, yeah i'll take morose um for a few reasons but i'll, I'll take morose especially at, at dog gods i think i'm with you man um Small concerns with all the OnlyFans stuff all the playboy stuff i, I don't know if mma is the main concern but if she stays safe from the submission, I mean, shit, she's already submitted her once before. So it's like, and she's got the better gas tank. Yeah. Um, I hate being on the public underdog, but we might have to. I think she's the, she's the rightful side. Andrea Lee, Natalia Silva, same weight class, women's uh, women's flyweight. It's hard to pick against Natalia Silva because I, I do think she's a legit prospect, but we'll have no action due to, due to this line. <laughs> I'm coming off a week where I put three one and a half unit bets on like plus two fifty or more dogs, and it's really tough for me to do that again. But this is another one where 
at least with uh, Andrea Lee, we're getting a well-rounded mixed martial artist that has proven her skill set against other UFC caliber opponents. And you're seeing plus 280. That seems that seems wild to me. Natalia Silva is really, really good, but she's not she's still a little bit unproven. Absolutely. I think I'm gonna have like a the same thing as last week, and I'm gonna end up having a few dogs um that are are pretty out there and i just can't help myself so I, i'm going with uh andrea kgb lee i like it kkk lee what was that yeah <laughs> lee. uh moving on to the middleweight division gerald Mearshart taking on andre petrovsky i think andre comes in there and ragdolls him because that's sub first round honestly yeah same side andre petrovsky uh moving on to ultimate fighter honestly man I, I didn't watch too much of the season. It, re- it really, I don't know. I kind of tuned into it late, skipped to the fights, didn't really get too interested and too invested in it. Um, however, I think Brad Katona Brad Katona is a pretty solid fighter, to be honest with you. And he's smart, knows where his strengths lie, probably wrestles his way to a decision here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you get minus 160 on him right now. I like, I agree. Might have to look at it. I know, right? Like we picked him when the, when the tough got announced and there was the fighter list. I know that I know we were in the group chat. We picked him to win this. So I don't know. Minus 160 seems generous against Cody Gibson, who's a dog, but I just don't think that that's going to be able to do it against Brad Katona. Who's, uh, rightfully maybe the only person who rightfully deserved a shot back in the UFC, you know, like he, he went on the regional scene and earned this. So yep. um, I like Brad Katona here quite a bit. I'm going to, I hate having to lay juice on somebody who's technically not in the UFC yet. You know, yeah. um, we move up to the other tournament or the ultimate fighter championship fight, Kurt Hollabow taking on Austin Hubbard. Um, I kind of like Austin Hubbard. I think that he's being a little, um, I don't, overvalued here. I don't think that he's that great, you know. I don't like paying the juice for him by any means, but I will pick him to win for this quick pick section. I think Austin Hubbard, although won't get the finish, very well could get a very easy 30-27 and look like one of the easier bets of the card. Um, Kurt Hollaball to me just doesn't do it, man. You know, I I just – I don't know. Austin Hubbard's young. He's had a good camp. I Again, it's going to be that one that's kind of stared me in the face that I lay off and then my reach just on point come Saturday. I, I, I like Austin Hubbard at minus 175, to be honest with you, man. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez, Dennis Tulinian at, at, at middleweight. I, I don't want Gregory to get knocked out, but it's always live. It kind of just feels like every third or fourth fight it's going to happen, but I, I kind of expect him to get back on track here with an early finish. Real quick, uh, Hubbard, Katona, Parlay, plus 155 right now. A little tough parlay? A little tough parlay. I don't hate that. Might have um, to hop on it. I know, right? I don't know. Might even spice it up with two decision props for them both. Don't hate it. Um, I'm with you on the Gregory Rodriguez side. He's tough to like lay the juice on, knowing he does have those defensive mm-hmm. holes, but he should get it done. Um, I expect RoboCop to to pull it out on Saturday. 
Uh, staying in the middleweight division, Chris Weidman versus Brad Tavares. I just like, I really hope it's not a sad outing for Chris Weidman. And there's a ton of potential for that. My bets on the fight doesn't go to decision, but I am, uh, I'm on the Brad Tavares side. So Brad Tavares is my other leg with Ian Gary. And it's not often do you get to fade a guy who's like on a, what a two and six coming back from a leg break. We don't get those opportunities a lot um, to make money off of. And if you even look at the two wins that he has in this eight fight win streak, Kevin Gastelum drops him in round one and almost finishes him. And and Chris gets a very much come from behind win in that third round. Pretty much just big boy, the bloated welterweight, you know? And then and Omari. Omar, well, and Kelvin Gastelum. Oh, okay. You know, and then Omar Akhmedov, another undersized middleweight that he <laughs> went life and death with. Yeah. And gas tank looked horrible. Brad Tavares. Think it was over the second round. He's He's a shit show, man. And Brad Tavares has a very good gas tank. Brad very Tavares good. has elite takedown defense, like historically some of the best takedown defense. And he's the better striker here, man. I um, I like Brad Tavares to get a second or third round stoppage. I, I really do. Dang, man. And it's five, one, two, three, four, five, six, six in a row that he's been finished inside the yeah. distance when he's losing. Yeah, and you can get that. You can get that fight doesn't go the distance for minus one forty five. I think that's a good look, and I might be on that with you. Honestly, yeah. I, I, I mean, I really like that yeah. one. I do too, man. Uh, kicking off the main card, my best bet: Marlon Vera taking on Pedro Munoz. Don't really have to talk too much about that. Marlon Vera is going to be the pick. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm with you. I think uh, he can't help but drop that first round, which is concerning. Like we have to throw that out there, but the, uh, I'm with you. I do think Marlon Vera is the side here moving on to the, uh, continuing on to the main card, staying with the Bantamweight division, Mario Bautista taking on DeMond Blackshear. Uh, I think it'd be lined differently if DeMond didn't fight last week. And outside of that weight cut, you know, probably pretty close fight. Yeah. I'll pick Mario Bautista here. I I still, it's not like last week, um, <laughs> you know, Damon getting that quick <laughs> submission really showed me so much, you know, showed me too much more. Um, so I'm on the Bautista side. I'm not super confident in it. Yeah, same. same. I'm on the Bautista side, but won't be having a bet there, honestly. Uh, Neil Magny, Ian Gary, featured bout. We talked about it. Maybe some disagreements, but I'm on the Ian Gary side. I'm on the Neil Magny side. I just um, hoping that he makes it dirty. Yeah. Moving on to the co-main event, Wei Li Zhang taking on Amanda Limosh. Uh, I'm on the Zhang side, man. I'm on the Zhang side inside the distance. I think we touched on that enough from us both. And co or the main event talked about it a few times. Going to be in disagreement. I I made him my dog. I think the lines wide. I got to pick Sean O'Malley. He's gonna he's gonna be the pick for the for the podcast. I like it. Um, we are ending on a disagreement. I'm on the Aljo Sterling side. Hate saying that out loud, uh, <laughs> but I, I do think that he gets it done on Saturday. Good pay per view in Boston. Tough finals. Two, you know, two title fights on the line, and I think two fights that are going to end inside the distance. Two fights are going to be very, very good. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Hopefully, we catch some bets and see you next week. Peace.